once upon a time, about 18 days ago, I was talking to some people in the evening. And lo and behold, while I was talking, they started saying, 10, 9, <laughs> 8. <clears throat> some people may recall, 7, 6. You know, I thought this was something with Sesame Street, because, you know, where they have that person, the cat who likes to count. And, you know, that's what was going on. But they were telling me, stop talking, you know, <laughs> at the time. But I am glad it is now, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. <laughs> <clears throat> no clock, keep that off the wall. But listen, my brothers and sisters, I'm delighted to share with you this morning. Last week, you were reminded by our brother, Patrick, about a certain man who had a job named Job. <laughs> we were told that he was blameless and he was upright and that he feared God and he turned away from evil. What stood out is one of the things for me, reminding us the fact that God was bragging about Job. And guess who he was bragging to? Satan, saying, have you, have you noticed? Have you seen? Have you checked? You know, can I, can, I, can I imitate Brother Patrick a little bit? Can, can I? No. You're all mischievous, you know. Can God brag about you, though? Can he really brag about you? That's, that's an interesting thought. What does God say? What does God think about when he looks at you and when he looks at me as his children? Can he say to Satan, have you, have you noticed? And you name you, you, you're the individual, me. Have you noticed him? Did you notice Wendley down there? And can, can, would the devil say, yeah, I, I noticed him. Uh, he's with me, we, we tight like that. Oh, oh, what he say? Yeah, I see you have protected him from me, you know. But if you let me get at him, you know, we'll see if he really loves you. Just out of curiosity, if I ask, and you know, I may not be able to see good without this, so let me see if I can hear you. If I ask you, do you love God? And by show of hands, I believe at least some of you would raise your hand. There's no way I can prove that that is true. Maybe because of where you are, you might think that's the right thing to do so that you can blend in with the crowd, so you would raise your hand, and that might be the case. But if I ask you, uh, this is a real question, how many of you were, I know we have some guests who may have been born in another place, those who were born in the Bahamas, how many of you were born on another island other than New Providence? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Good. Some of you were born don't know where. Um, Winston Churchill once said that the most valuable thing in the world is truth. The most valuable thing in the world is truth. Truth is probably the most violated concept in our world today. Truth is probably the most 
violated concept in our world today. That being said, the most seductive and most insidious weapon in the world today is a lie. The most seductive and most insidious weapon today is a lie. Lies have punctuated business transactions, personal relationships, civics, religion, and certainly politics. However, the greater tragedy in our society at large does not believe, for those who do not believe in the existence of God. Do you know that there are those who believe that there is no God? They have believed a lie. They have truly believed a lie. Historically, we are considered here at Calvary Bible Church a community. As a matter of fact, where you generally reside, you call that area a community. But historically speaking, most communities were created either by accident, and I say accidents because for some, maybe because of proximity or maybe because of some shared needs, people moved into an area. When we think about, and I'm thinking back because I'm from another island, as opposed to New Providence, where people were born here. But think about those who raised their hand earlier about being born on another family island. My recall would be that most of those places were not so far, the settlement or the community where you were born, were not very far from the sea. Would that be correct? Yes. And it is that people tend to live near to the sea, but they, they may have farmed further inland. But generally, they was close to the sea. And so the community started there and maybe expand over time inland in those particular um, islands or settlements. But that's, I call, incidental or accidental community. Did they just show up and said, this is the spot. And anybody who comes to this area has to blend in. Then there's this other purposeful, I call it intentional community, which means that there's a community that is set up for a specific purpose. Here at Calvary Bible Church, this is considered our community. It is intentional. Who makes up the community? Us. What is our purpose? Everybody in the community should know. Do you know that in some communities you always have some people who do not conform to the purpose? Some may not know what it is, but you always have problems in communities. Well, if you take community, common unity, then there is an issue. Because in other words, in other words there are some things that are 
not common. Standards, goals, objectives may not be common. As a part of the community of the body of Christ, we have some mandates that we are obligated to conform to because we are a part of that particular very special community. I'm thinking back again about my community on Andros. Do you remember, by the way, when it was? I think it was improper for a child to say the word lie. Let me just check. I really want you to answer this, because I want to know if this only happened in that community where I was, because I can go back and tell them I was deprived. <laughs> now, let me ask, how many of you, when as a child, you could not use the word, especially in the presence of an adult, lie? <gasps> okay. Thank you. So, yeah, I see some other non-Androsian hands went up. Okay. There you are. Thank you, Brother Paul. Okay. But you couldn't say lie. Lie was an adult word. You could say story. Yeah. But you, but you can't say, say you, your story, you know, which I understood later that meant you were telling a story. Story. You were making up a story. You're very creative. But they said lie. You couldn't say lie. You would get you would get a vat. No, you would, you, you would, you would get wap. Yes, that's it. You know, but we're going to change it. You would get vap. You hear vap right across your face because you couldn't say the word lie. Look around you today. Majority rule, we've just celebrated last week, Monday. Majority rule without God is the new normal resulting in this generation not knowing, not obeying, and not worshiping God. And so this morning, I want you to listen attentively to a man's last word as he shares the importance of V-A-P. VAP. Now, I would think, I wanted to do it earlier, but again, because some people are so stubborn, I wanted to ask you to, if you had, you knew this was your last moment on the earth, and you had one moment, one sentence to say, to give to your loved one, what would you say? One sentence. Now, I don't want one of those legal sentences that could take up three pages legal size letter, because they don't put punctuation in them at all. I just want a brief, concise, succinct sentence. What would you say? I would hope that what you have to say would have been very important or something you really want to left with your loved ones. Your last words. Love God. That's profound. It's so original. Amazing, Sister Brenda. Love God. You know. She would have probably been the only one to fill that out for me. I like that, and it's so brief. Love God. Amazing. I want to see you afterwards. I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> but it's amazing. What would you say to these people? Look around. As I said, we have celebrated in our country. 1969 was a significant year when we have majority rule. Can you imagine? I was thinking back earlier last week. I went and visited with a school. And um, while in that setting, I was reflecting about where was I in 1969? I was, just in case some of you thought I wasn't. I was, you know. But where, what was I doing? 
shooting Marvel, I guess, you know. Uh, wasn't a big thing as a day off from work, I mean, school. But the people, and looking back at the documentary and listening to what I've heard during, leading up to last week and around the particular weekend and what was happening in the country, you, do you know that some people were celebrating as a result, rightfully so, and praying? God was praised and celebrated and thanked for what he's done. There, yes, there might have been some who were upset and then talked to God for a while. But generally speaking, the mood of the country was this is a significant event. And people prayed and celebrated. Amazing. But as things here we are, removed 40 plus years, where are we? Where are we? Is God still as prominent? I mentioned earlier about quoting Winston Churchill about the most important thing in the world, most valuable thing is truth. I believe that truth affects morality. I believe that morality affects your perspective in terms of your meaning of existence. Truth, morality, and meaning. If you take away truth, absolute truth, what do you have left? You say, everybody for yourself. Truth then becomes my truth. Becomes relevant to me, but not necessarily to you. And so we have all kinds of things going on. Look again, I say, at our own society. Would you say that there seemed to be a more blatant display of immorality in our country as opposed to pre or immediately around the majority rule period in our country? And even though I was a pre-teenager back then, I believe that we have. And I'm in a context on a, generally on a daily basis where I have the opportunity to see that happening day by day. If the first, that is, if truth goes, I believe that there will be a colossal breakdown and it will have devastating results. And so some of the ills that we experience and hear about in our society today, I believe stems generally from this point that truth has been abandoned. Morality is almost non-existent. And in fact, meaning or existence for living or being is, they say in the Bohemian dialect, you say where you put me. Do you have a testimony to tell this generation of God's faithfulness? Of God's faithfulness to you in the past? Look at where you are today. How did you get here? Did you ever tell anybody else your story? When you are telling that story, have you ever, is God present in the story? Did you tell them how God has blessed you? And we say that word, bless you, in a general way. Have you been a little bit more specific as to how God has blessed you? Do you remember thinking way back, for those who can think way back, do you remember where, what you ate 
what your think back, think back, what your food was, your daily food. Do you remember what you went to school in, what you wore? How many pairs of shoes, if you had pair? Most people, some people are wear, I don't know, I'm guessing here. You're familiar with Vampus? I think you, you know what that is. You know, that is not an animal for those people who, you know. That, okay. You had to make your shoe out of old car tire. Yeah, man. Yeah. You had to make it. You find one car tire, you cut that out, you drill a hole in that. Not drill. You nail a hole in that. Find an old nail. You find a string to go between your toe. Yeah. And that was it. They don't wear out easily, boy. Yeah. So you wouldn't have to buy shoes. You know, so. But you made your shoe. And if everybody else were around you was making shoe, fine, you know, so there was no, oh, and I get a better vampus than you. <laughs> no. But that's, but if, and here you are today, you, things have changed. Was it just because of your own upward mobility um, and affluence? Or was it God? God, have you told that to those around you? Maybe not. We may have taken that for granted. What was school like? You had all of these facilities in your school. What about maybe a little bit more personal? We have where you are today. What about your health? What, what struggles you would have gone through health-wise? Some may be more extreme than others, but here you are today. Maybe for some, maybe not in the best of health, but here. There are some who wish they could be here. We did not mention them, but we have those in our regular prayer sheet that we pray for weekly, daily, who we say are unable to be with us on our regular gathering together. But if they could, they would switch place with you, we say in a heartbeat. But they can't. And yet we know, because we have heard testimonies of going to visit with them, and they are so grateful. So where they are, they're making the most of where they are. But God is always prominent in their testimony. That's amazing. But do we tell that to other people? Our health, what about, not, I guess, natural disasters? Have you gone through any storm? Has any storm ever taken your house away? Yeah, had some damages. Has the storm ever taken you away? No. Just in case you were going to say yes, you're here. But you, was it because of your own planning, your own ingenuity, your careful plans that even storms couldn't get to you? Maybe it was not physical. Maybe it was a relational storm. Maybe it was a financial storm. And yet, here you are. Again, have you attributed the fact that you are here today to God? Have you connected the dots so that it all goes back to God's faithfulness? And if so, have you told anyone? Let's be a little bit more specific. Have you told the people in your own family? Do you understand that when we look around at our society today, do you have a sense that God is not evident, at least not prominent? in terms of the role that he should have, based on what you see and what you hear on a daily basis. 
I think we have moved away from God. We have moved away from the word of God. And my encouragement for you today before I sit down is to let's get back to the word of God. The Jews call, in the book of Deuteronomy, the Jews call Deuteronomy the fifth, the five-fifths of the law. Of course, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, do no wrong to me, or Deuteronomy, right? That's what the Jews call it. The laws of Moses were rehearsed and expounded for this new generation as they were about to, be, to take possession of the land, which was promised to them by God. It was not just a recapitulation of those things that were previously revealed in the book of Numbers and Leviticus and Exodus. It was a selective digest of matters most important to the average Israelite in his relationship to God. Moses spoke as if, as an aged man who communed with God face to face. Now that's amazing. Imagine this. You had the opportunity to talk to someone who actually spoke with God face to face. And he is saying something and telling you something. I would want to sit up, pay attention. I don't want no one to interrupt. I want to hear clearly what is being said. This is the person who is speaking to us from Deuteronomy. Moses spoke as an aged man who communed with God face to face. In his words, and his words spring from some personal and intimate relationship and knowledge of God that had matured over the years, over 100 years, over 110, 120 years. I put it to you that if we neglect God's word in general, and the love of God in particular, in our hearts, we would be most miserable, most miserable. And worse than that, we would perish eternally. Since God would not allow Moses, if you recall the story, to cross over into the Jordan with the children of Israel, Moses here reemphasized God's law in view of this new condition which they will face in the new land. We are starting a new year, and God has been gracious. Just by the look of, on your faces, it tells me that you've come through 2014, maybe with some bruises, some scratches, some issues, but you're here in 2015. God has been faithful. How have you expressed that gratitude to him? What God has done in the past gives us confidence of what he will do for us in the future. In Deuteronomy 5.24, we say, Behold, Jehovah our God. Behold, Jehovah our God showed us his glory and his greatness. We have heard his voice, and today that he speaks with man, yet he lives. Because you know, the Bible tells us that no man can see God and live. He is that holy. If God was to show up in all of his magnificence, while frame couldn't handle it, we would simply disintegrate before him. And yet, Moses, God probably had to turn down the volume of his glory so that he doesn't cause Moses to just be obliterated. But this is who he is. So when he says, this is the God, we have heard him. We have seen him. Moses can speak experientially about this. And so for this morning, I,
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and moving fast. It starts off by saying, hear, and quickly. Hear simply says, I'm going to read it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and with all of your might. I must pause you. Here, I think every word has significance and meaning. Here, a cry of allegiance, an affirmation of a covenant commitment, to hear intelligently with the implication of attention, listen up, pay attention, we say, with obedience. Hear, O Israel. It's okay when we say Israel, that seems a remote place. But hear, my brothers and sisters, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is. V A P, value added principle. Here's the principle God really exists. God is real. Have we been telling that to people? Have we not only been telling them that, have we been living like God is real? Because some people may say it, but they don't live it. And so therefore you have a conflict. O Israel, the Lord our God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. That's a value-added principle. God is. In verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God. Do you love the Lord your God? I know there are some other things and some other people that you love. And you, if I ask, and if you were bold enough to answer, you would tell me how you've expressed that. But you've been asked you shall love the Lord your God. Complete love for him, I believe, is the duty and the destiny of the redeemed. Love God, and you will want to do what is right and what is good in order to please him. And when you love him, you are to love him with all of your heart. That's another value-added principle, with all of your heart. By the way, in the Hebrew mind, there were no words in Hebrew for mind and brain. So they use heart. However, in the psychology of the Old Testament, the heart was the intellect. It involved the mind and the rational part of humankind. We are asked to love the Lord our God, with all of our heart. That's a principle we have not, I believe, consistently not only conveyed with our words, but conveyed with our lifestyle to our families, to our children. And not only that, we are to love the Lord with all of your soul. This, is cause, this of course, refers to the invisible part of the individual, the person. 
you can sometimes say, that's the real me. I love you with all of my heart and all of your, my soul. What's your soul? That's that invisible part of who you really are, the individual. That's another value. How we express that, how we communicated that to those we love. Imagine what our society would be like as a whole if everyone has not only communicated that, but those persons to whom it was communicated were to own it as theirs and to live that out in integrity. And not only that, the third value would be this. And with all of your might or strength. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. That is your physical side with all of its functions and capacities. With all of your strength, you say. Really? Is that even possible? I think it is. Because God will not ask you something to, or ask you to do something that it is impossible. If he asks you to do something, he will certainly provide you with the means to do so. There's only one person in the entire Old Testament to whom it is said that he turned to the Lord with all of his heart, soul, and might. And that was King Josiah in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. I think we have forgotten some of his benefits. And so we stop telling others about just how good God is. The things that we hear that is happening in our society by our young people in particular, because of the neglect of the older people in our community, is simply because of this. They have forgotten. They have not told them. That's why, again, in Psalms, again, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, all of who I am, bless the Lord, and do not forget, do not forget all of his benefits towards us. In verse 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Really? On your heart. Do you sometimes come to the conclusion that people, parents and children, do not fear God? If they say he exists, yeah, he exists, but he's so remote, so far from me, there's no sense of fear. And by fear, by the way, I mean the respect that comes from an, an appreciation of the character of God. That's the fear. Not a courtesy, a little bow, or some genuflection, yes, sir, or some obeisance, but obedience, fear resulting in obedience. Not to fear him with a sense of worry or I'm scared, but fear to the point that you move from instead of worry to worship. Do you fear him enough to worship him? Has that permeated our homes? and that it permeated our workplace and into our community. Imagine what that will look like. Imagine what our community would look like if people truly 
love the Lord their God with all of their heart, all of their soul, and all of their might. Imagine the synergy. Imagine the almost tangible expressions of love. Parents are to love God themselves and take his word to heart. They are then to talk about his words in the context of daily living and so make them real to their children. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, it says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. Teach what to them? These things we've just been mentioning. To love God. Have you taught your children to love God with all of their heart and soul and might or strength? Can you give an account for where your children are? Children were reviewed or viewed as gifts from God in Psalm 127 that we quote very often here. The reason for this emphasis on the children is clear. Deuteronomy is always aimed at the next generation. Think about it for yourself. Forty years, if God so allows it to, to be, what would the next generation, 40 years, what would the Bahamas look like? What would the makeup of this community look like? 40 years from now, if you want somebody sing a song, uh, if you want a brand new world, I know Dr. Miles Monroe was a part of that original team, was the, what the vision is, you need to have brand new people and a lot of things you need to have brand new. If we want a better generation, next generation, we need to be doing some things now, planting the seed, creating that now. As I mentioned, Deuteronomy is always aimed at the next generation. It takes the present generation back to the past. Tell them what it was and then bring them afresh to the present. The greatest expression of compassion and, and love for your children is to inculcate in them the love for God with all of their heart, all of their soul, and all of their strength. Please note the emphasis on the importance of parents to diligently equip their children to live dependently, dependently, not independently, on God. Telling them that you can't do without God, the very breath that you take is a gift from God using every opportunity throughout their living, throughout the day, to remind them about God. Think back again. Your parents may not have been so articulate to say that, but you watched their lifestyle. They were consistent, and you knew that they loved God because they modeled it. They lived it. Bon Riversby said, When our children are ignorant of the past, they have no hope for the future. A teenage junior high school was asked by a teacher recently, you know, he was misbehaving, and he asked him, do you need to behave? Because if you keep up with this attitude, you know, you will not achieve your goal. You know, 20 years from now, where would you? And the amazing response was, I, I don't intend to live that long. As a matter of fact, he's a little bit more specific than that. He says that by 18, he's, no, he's going to be dead. Wow. 
This is a 14-year-old. He doesn't, his community has so impacted him, I guess you've seen it so often, that those in that age range very rarely live past 18. So his perspective, his hope for the future was totally diminished. It comes back to what I said earlier, morality and truth. Who has convinced him, who has lied to him that there's no possible opportunity for you to live beyond 18? You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Hmm. The believer was to consider, was to meditate on and to remain conscious of God's word. God's words would then shape the believer's entire outlook on life and his attitude towards others. God has given the Bahamas, I believe, material blessings. We have come a long way. But when physical wants are satisfied, the spiritual source of blessing is sometimes forgotten. We have gotten a lot, but we have forgotten the source. The source is God. And we have not communicated that, I think, significantly or sufficiently to our generation. So they live as if there is no God. I am my own God, my own man, my own woman. I make my own decision. There is no such thing as God. So they are buying into the lie, the original lie. There is no God. Did he really say that? Really? And so they live a life devoid of God. You shall, verse 8, you shall bind them on as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Bind them on your hand. Put them on the, your forehead, between your eyes, on the doorposts of your houses. It is commendable, but I think misguided to wear and post scriptures on your body and on your doorposts of your houses, respectively. I'm told of a story of a Japanese girl who was in college and went to spend in the U.S. and went to spend a Christmas holiday with, invited by a friend and this Christian family to spend the Christmas holiday with them. And she did. And uh, it was amazing. So she went to church with them and came back. And at the, over after the holiday, uh, the, of course, the host asked her, did you, did you enjoy it? And she says, yeah, it was good, but I have a question. Duh. What, what's the question? Well, he says, I, I didn't see while I was living in your house, I didn't see any evidence of your, your God. Because where... Where I come from, in Japan, we have a room where we have a shelf where we place our God. But here, there is no evidence. I haven't heard anything in this house that reflects or told me about your God. Yikes. What an indictment. Because we can go through the motion and still there's no evidence that we 
love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. What is more authentic in communicating your love for God? His word and your commitment to obey him. What is more authentic? Wearing a gold cross, heavy, small, wearing a gold cross, or bearing the cross daily? Is it hanging scriptures in your houses or hiding it in your heart? Question today, will you choose intentionally today to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and commit to sharing that, not only with your words, not only through signing, but by your actual living? Will you commit to do that? We have been instructed from this man, Moses, who had this last opportunity. As you can say, this man, was these were his dying words, to love the Lord, and as Sister Brenda mentioned, if this is your last opportunity to say something to your loved ones, what will it be? Love God. Because that, in that word, love God, two words. If you really love him, it will transform your life. Love God, really love him with all of your heart, not partially, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of who you are. If you do that today, which I hope you will, then maybe these words that were said in Deuteronomy 5, 28 and 29 will not be applicable to you. It says, they have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all of my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. In other words, some people only say it but their heart is not in it. Some people say, I love Lord, but they're not living that way. And so the children or those around you can see the difference. I now conclude by reminding you, and we have sung about it this morning, that you are indeed a peculiar people, a chosen generation, a holy nation, whom God has brought out of darkness, not only spiritual darkness, in a sense, material darkness, health darkness, economic darkness, relational darkness. God has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I admonish you, my brothers and sisters today, love God. Love his word. If you do, you're guaranteed to love his people with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might. Amen? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for its power to transform and change. Now, Lord, we commit ourselves to be obedient. Change us for your own glory and for our edification. In Jesus' name, amen.